What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around, grab your happiest thought, and let's fly away to Neverland for a very fun and special, but as we've done all month, short episode of the Neverland podcast. Today I'm going to feature the audio from a panel from the Kansas City Comic Con here in 2016. I have for you, and I've been sitting on this audio for a long time, John Schneider and Tom Wopat. From the Dukes of Hazard. That's right, they had a panel here, both of them together, and I recorded it. Uh, but I do want to bring up, before we go to some news, Ryan Johnson vindicated his decision to have Luke Skywalker create what we now know is called a Force Doppelganger. It was in a book called The Jedi Path. I'm looking to go get myself a copy of this book from Barnes & Noble. It details exactly how this doppelganger thing works that Luke Skywalker did there to project himself to have a bit of a physical presence, but not really. Uh, It gives a little bit about that in the book, and I tell you what, it's going to launch all kinds of new discussion on exactly what all this Force ability might entail. But I really like that Ryan Johnson did step up and show where he got an idea for something, and he's not just pulling things out of the air that are impossible in the Force, and hopefully it will silence a few naysayers about that particular one. This is Gary Gnu, and no Gnu's is good Gnu's show. The only TV Gnu's program guaranteed to contain no Gnu's whatsoever. Never lands news from the Disney parks. We have a birth announcement in the Animal Kingdom there in Disney's Walt Disney World. A baby hippo. Isn't this wonderful? This is, was born. It's the first one they've had. It's a Nile hippopotamus. First one in 13 years. Born 10 p.m. Saturday night. Well, by Florida time, of course, 10 p.m. Uh, this is staying close to the mom, Tuma. And right now, they have not figured out the calf's gender. Uh, they're not going to be able to get the room uh, get around there for the weight and stuff like that right now. Uh, but typically, a newborn calf is going to weigh around 60 to 110 pounds. Could be anywhere of that. Uh, the, of course, the animal care team is keeping back, so Tuma and her calf can can nurse and bond and that kind of thing. So they, they are kind of being hands-off right now. Uh, but this is a big success for the animal care experts over there in, in Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, this is also part of of the uh, Species Survival Plan, uh, which is also overseen by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. Uh, So this is a vulnerable species. It's got a declining population. So this is a big deal uh, because this helps with conservation efforts and uh, sort of education on Nile hippopotamus for people who are going to go and see uh, these creatures. Now, uh, if you've ever been to Disney's Animal Kingdom and Walt Disney World, they have a lot of hippos. Uh, you can go on the Kilimanjaro Safari Ride and see a lot of hippos and pools. Uh, but this being a Nile one, uh, the Nile, I'm not sure where the Nile River is. I don't know if that's in Africa or uh, part of me wants to say that's in India, but I'm not 100% sure. You know, I'm not an expert on these things. Uh, so I don't know if this is a, a very particular type of hippopotamus being a Nile hippopotamus. Uh, so I don't know exactly the major significance of that. But uh, there are some pictures on the Disney Parks blog. Uh, 
Uh, it's adorable, this little hippo, little tiny little little thing. Uh, we don't know if it's male or female yet because they can't get a hold of the animal yet until it's, you know, been nursed for a while and bonded with mom. So, and plus, you know, you don't want to get on the wrong side of a hippopotamus. Uh, but this is really, really cool. And if you're looking to visit the parks perhaps over the summer, uh, I'm pretty sure this baby will be on display for your viewing pleasure. This is a bit of a special interest story that I uncovered, as you would say. Uh, I didn't know really much about this, uh, but if you go to DisneyDreamAcademy.com, you can find the list of 100 students that were selected and probably how to apply for next year. If you have a high school student, uh, I believe of color is the uh, the key thing that they're looking for here. This is something that's kind of helped brought on by Steve Harvey and Essence Magazine working with Disney, and what they do is they choose 100 high school students to come to Walt Disney World in March and get a little bit of a behind-the-scenes view of the parks to try to help encourage them to dream of different types of jobs that they might look into. Uh, it's a four-day program. This is the 11th year, actually, it's been going on, and uh, I wasn't really familiar with this. Uh, if I've ever gone over it in the past, I am not remembering it right now. Uh, but this year, the, the campaign is being called B100, and so this is supposed to inspire these, these students, and they're going to, like I said, come to Disney Park in March. Uh, they're going to meet with uh, Steve Harvey, I believe, here at the Walt Disney Resort. Uh, that way, you know, he's he's kind of a motivational speaker for celebrities, and so he's going to help motivate them. But uh, the, some of the students actually got to go on Good Morning America on Monday this week and be revealed to them that they were going to be selected as part of the 100 and they had Mickey Mouse out there and dropped confetti on them and stuff like that. So, but this is really trying to reach into that community and help, you know, young students, you know, high school students imagine and dream what they could become and rise above maybe where, you know, they think they're at in their neighborhood or where they think they might be being held back, you know, let them look ahead and say, you know what, I could become this. I just have to work for it and dream it and do it. And so that's a very, very cool thing. Uh, and it definitely seems to be aimed at the African-American community coming through Essence magazine. So it seems a little bit limited, but you know, I guess if you're targeting a certain area, that's what you do. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're happy for any students that really get that, that opportunity to go look and dream and do something really special and I hope that this is the beginning of some wonderful new careers for these students that they do look into doing something different because I mean it took me uh, over 30 years to really decide on what I wanted to do with my life and it really started with the podcast and now here I'm at university at age 40 and I'm now living the dream here talking to you all listening to the show so it's very important to dream bigger, come up with something different and unique, uh, something you may not have thought about doing and, you know, and pursue it. And so, you know, kudos to these 100 students. I hope that you uh, are inspired by this in March and uh, look forward to hearing some sort of amazing, magical things that you might do in the future. What would you do if someone famous had lived nearby? And this person wasn't just famous. This person changed the way we saw entertainment forever. And they drew inspiration from a place not far from your home. At the Walt Disney Hometown Museum in Marceline, Missouri, you can see rare and unique items donated to the museum by the Disney family in 10,000 square feet of immersive galleries. And as of March 1st, 2018, the museum is open year-round. Find the inspirational story of Walt Disney by visiting WaltDisneyMuseum.org and plan your trip today. To Disney and beyond! So, 
have a microphone so that I can speak for Tom. You, you guys have hung out enough together over the years. You probably know all of his answers. I know his answers. All of his answers. Yep, yep. So, and I know what he should say is it would be wittier than what he does say. <laughs> if anyone has a question, please raise your hand or jump up to the microphone. You want to jump? Well, I, I'd go to the mic except for I've got the camera. Okay. Um, I was wondering if you're still doing anything with your singing career. I remember when I was a kid, we went to Worlds of Fun here locally and saw you in concert. Oh, um, thank you for that. I do music. Um, I have a film studio, at least I had until this morning, uh, a film studio in Louisiana. And um, what I do is I, I put music in, into the movies that we make. I find a lot of it, and then I try to... Uh, Occasionally, I'll try to write something. I, I'm, I'm realistic enough to realize I'm a much better song finder than a song writer. Uh, but that's really the extent of it. Uh, Wopat and I do, Wopat and I do uh, <laughs> concerts occasionally. We're doing one on December 10th in Gulfport, Mississippi. And uh, that's a lot of fun. It's a Christmas one. You can watch uh, he and I at a Christmas concert from my barn uh, at JSS. You can grab a hold of that at uh, Cineflix Fest. Dot com. Oh, I'm sorry, Cineflix DOD stands for Digital On Demand. Uh, so you can see that. And I'm going to do a, a live concert next uh, next Thursday night from somewhere, I'm not sure now, but from somewhere with a buddy of mine named Joe Hudson, his guitar and me and, and two stools, and we're just going to do a, uh, a nice little live feed concert uh, on, I think it's called Wowza. And you can also find that on Cineflix DOD. DOD stands for Digital On Demand. Why Hollywood still calls it Video On Demand, I have no idea. Because <laughs> yeah. video has not been, except for, now yours is a video. Yours is on a chip, right? Yours is digital. Yeah, it's digital. Yeah, there's no video. There's no video in baseball. No <laughs> digital no video. What are talking about? So that's, that's what I do with music now. Toured with music, did a lot of it. I loved it. I, I enjoyed it. But uh, I'm more of, a, uh, more of a filmmaker, more of a storyteller. And... Uh, Truthfully, all my, my great friends from country music have passed away, so I, I, I've got no, no love for the travel of it anymore. Just listen to Conway Twitty, uh, night before last. Wow, what, a, what an amazing talent. Listening to John, Johnny Cash, listen to Waylon. Uh, great, great stuff. So, I miss it, but I don't see it in the future other than just in the movies. Did you have much interaction with Waylon on the on the show? Yeah, Waylon came to uh, after first couple of years when Waylon we did a uh, I can't remember the name of the show. It wasn't Fine Waylon Jennings, but there was an episode where Waylon had a traveling museum and it got uh, it got hijacked. Imagine that. As it happened, <laughs> as it happens in Hazard County, yeah, from um, Jimmy Carter's limo, Waylon Jennings. Uh, or uh, museum, so it got hijacked, and then uh, uh, we wound up. That's the first time we actually met Wayman, and then he would he would come around from time to time. It was great, great, great guy. We saw his hands for so many years, and finally got to see him. I know, right? She don't understand. He keeps showing my hand and not my face on TV. Well, he did not have a face for TV at that point. <laughs> he did later. He got really handsome as he got as he got older. It was cool. Yes, anyone. What do you, uh, yes? I'll go to the microphone. Thank you. <laughs> well, this is really a pleasure, Mr. Snyder. And uh, I actually just watched the first season of Dukes of Hazard this past year. My father-in-law was in the nursing home and enjoyed old shows from the 70s, 80s. Dukes of Hazard was at the top of his list. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank so you. one of the things I noticed watching it again is, especially the first couple episodes, it was a little edgier right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And we've obviously followed your career through Smallville, as I'm sure most people here have, and your music career. And I've actually enjoyed uh, some of the faith-based films Thank that you. you've done recently. And I wondered if maybe you could just kind of talk about that uh, that transition career-wise, as uh, you know, you seem to have even kind of gone a little bit more family-friendly as your career has gone on. Is that intentional, or is that well, kind of just... Then you haven't seen the movies we make. <laughs> uh, I, I might have missed one or two. Well, yeah, yeah. There's one out right now called Like Sun, and you can get that at the at Cineflix, or you can just go to likesunthemovie.com. Um, my 
the the uh, I, I'm always up for a really a good story, well told. And the the slew of, of faith-based movies that I did, I thought were very very well-written scripts, and they just happened to they just happened to come my way. It was interesting. I think because I had done a couple of really, I'm, I'm very proud of the uh, the Hallmark the Hallmark movies. Come dance at my wedding. Uh, you've got a friend. The one about uh, you've got a friend was about uh, uh, not Pinewood Derby, soapbox derby racing. Loved it, loved it, loved it. But those are. I was hired to do those. I wouldn't have accepted them if I didn't think they were really good. October Baby, one of the best. One yes, of the best absolutely. Films. I think truly one of the, one of the best faith-based films ever made. Really love October Baby. Uh, as did quite a quite a substantial audience, um, but I I grew up uh, spending a lot of time with my grandfather who worked at a funeral home in uh, upstate well in Mount Kisco, New York. I mean I had very I had a very different history than the history of the the people that I that I have played for other people. So once I turned fifty, the stories that that. I don't want to say the stories that I want to tell, but the stories I can't help but tell come, they've been coming out. Like Son is a story about a, a series of grisly murders in a, in a rural part of Louisiana uh, where the father and son are both in law enforcement and they both are damn sure that the other one is doing these murders. So, which obviously they can't both be doing it, so it's a bit of a crime drama. Uh, I tend to do things where people are realizing they're a lot more like their parents than they ever thought, <laughs> and not necessarily in a good way. Um, so I hope you'll give, uh, if you want to know about me, and not about what I do for hire, uh, listen to my music, because I, I produced all those, but I picked all those songs because they meant something to me. Or watch the films that come out of John Schneider Studios. Okay. Because they are, they are quite unique. I will definitely and check that out. Okay. And at the risk of sounding like I'm sucking up, I will say you are definitely hands down my favorite version of Jonathan Kent. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it.
care about his movies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do some. I do movies. I know, you do a really good one. I'm gonna do, uh, I'm gonna do a movie with him pretty soon. With who? He doesn't know. Yeah. Me? Yeah. Really? Yeah? Cool. Surprise. Surprise! <laughs> Very challenging surprise. Surprise! I don't remember the joke, but that's the punchline. Yes, you. you. Right. And you're next. Okay. You can even just stand in a line there at the mic if you want. Look at that order, just like they do in Canada. <laughs> Which one of you is the better singer? Oh! I can't go there. He's got a better voice. He's a better singer. <laughs> There's a difference. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. John, with your studio, um, do you take outside scripts? Do we what? Take, take outside, outside scripts? scripts? No. <laughs> Unless you no. pay. If you pay. We have, we'll help you make your movie if you come with a budget. But no, I've got, uh, I've got honestly, I've, we've done six now of mine. I've got 20 more. And I, I, you know, I'll be lucky to live long enough to do mine. And, and I made a promise to myself after 50 that no more spending. One of these days I'm going to die telling someone's story and I want it to be mine. But you do help people. Sure. Oh, yeah, it's a great place. But you have to come with your own, with your own budget. We'll help you spend it properly, but we won't, give, we won't put any money into so it. So basically you have to find a producer. Well, I have to find the money. You have to be financed. I'm asking for my husband. <laughs> well, that's good, but, but you've, got to, you've got to be financed. That's part of it. It's part of the fun, anyway. I mean, I mean doing that is great. No one is going to, uh, I tried for years to get people to, to bless my notions and my ideas and make my movies, and the answer was no. So finally I said, okay, well, I'll make my own. And there I am. Do you have a website? JohnSchneiderStudios.com. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> or Cineflex DOD. Yeah, we have a film festival too. We're, we're uh, helping to encourage independent filmmakers, but not by not by spending money on them, by providing an opportunity for them to be able to show their films. Somebody's got to ask me a, a question because he's going to have a pain. Go. Uh, I do have one for John, but Tom, I want to tell you, when I was uh, probably about five years old. You came to the Daryl Starbird Rod and Custom Car Show in Wichita, Kansas, and saying, "Oh my God!" And, uh, that was the first time in my life I ever saw a General Lee replica there too. So it was a little five. I actually, point. I was at the Kansas State Fair a couple of times too. Yeah, I never knew that, that was so much fun. We had a big time. You guys know the fair? Yeah. The fair is cool. Right? I'm, fair. I'm from Wisconsin, and the Wisconsin State Fair is just a huge deal there. Do they not give napkins with barbecue here? Oh, God. Here's my shirt. Go to John, I want to see uh, Collier come back. I want to see Traveler take on the Bandits Trans Am. Right? Oh. So do I. Um, I'll write you a check real quick. Well, <laughs> if people would go to Cineflix DOD, if they'd go to Cineflix DOD and get up and, and buy the movies, basically, I want the movies to stand on their own two feet or four tires, right? So in order, in order to justify making another one, then the first one, just like any business, if, if you want to make a second flavor soda, then your first one has to pay for it. And so far, Collier has not, has not generated enough income to be able to, to justify doing another one. Yeah. It's very sad. But I got this one DVD cell right here. I've had it since oh, thank you. it came out. So. That does not a movie make. You are an investor. Yes, you are. You're an investor. By the way, anybody want to jump in? Don't be don't be shy. Got another yeah, yeah, what do you got? Oh, I'm stationary. Huh? What's that? Actually, I'm stationary though with the camera. Um, I've heard a rumor that the uh, sliding across the hood of the General Lee actually came from attempting to jump over to the other side? Kind of. It was an accident. And you'll see it in the opening credits where I run down the hill. That's from the second episode. That's from Daisy's song. And we're making our escape from the, uh, from the, the recording studio. And the thing was, was I, I was coming down and uh, in rehearsal. There you go, John. And those are cute, aren't they? So uh, what I did in the rehearsal was I planted my heel on the on the front on the fender and then jumped across. And when I came down to plant my heel on the fender, my heel went whoop. 
and I was getting across the front, and uh, there was about that much of the antenna left, and it gave me about a four-inch scar right there. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it looked great. I mean, it was right into the camera, and uh, <laughs> so we ended up doing it a lot. It was a lot of fun. We scratched up the hood a little bit, though. <laughs> Who else? Yes, I'd like to ask about working on Django Unchained. Do you have any remembrance sure. to that? I, I'm sorry, what was the question? I was just going to ask if you could recall working on Django Unchained for us. No, now I'm only 64. Yeah, I don't recall. Now, the thing is, um, there's a backstory to it. Because back in the day, when Tarantino was working at the video store, that like everybody knows he did, uh, he would come up to Burbank on Thursday nights and attend James Best, who played Roscoe, would attend his uh, acting class. So he would come up on a Thursday night and go to the class. Uh, yeah, on the bus. Yep. And then Jim would let him sleep in the classroom, basically, there in, in Burbank. And the next day he would come to the set. And this is when, I think he's 18, 19, something like that. So anyway, he had this little bit part in the show, in the movie, and they called my agent and asked if I'd want to audition for it. So I showed up in my black jeans and my black hat and my black boots and basically did the scene for them and, and it went great and then when we shot, we shot it in a day and it was so much fun. Uh, the thing with Tarantino is he shoots film, he doesn't shoot digital and it's, it's really exciting, it's like the old days and he sits right by the camera, he's not over in Video Village uh, 100 yards away. So working with him and it was a scene with Jamie Foxx and Christoph Waltz and, and uh, they were both terrific. The scene's great. He left it all in. It was it was the most fun I've had since Deuce. So yeah, thanks for asking. It was a lot of fun. I got a picture. I got a limited supply of pictures. Yeah. From Django, and if I run out of the limited supply, I'll just grab another limited supply. So <laughs> come by, come by your booth, and you guys have photo ops going on later today. Mm -hmm. We do. We do. We already took a bunch with the car, and I must say that these are some of the finest professional pictures that I've seen of us. I don't know what he's using for a screen or if he's like photoshopping automatically, but it looks great. <laughs> yes, someone else. least 
to some degree is real and actually happening. The environment has a lot to do with that. At my place in Louisiana, there's cypress knees and cypress trees and beautiful, wonderful vistas and water. Water uh, everywhere. Water everywhere. Uh, especially right now. Uh, but I think, I think it's very important. That's why I don't like to just film on a sound stage. A lot of people like sound stages, but a sound stage is, is it's hard to, it's hard to believe what you're doing is real when you've got lights and walls that go away and, and uh, a cappuccino machine sitting right over there and you're supposed to be starving in a, in a hogan somewhere. <laughs> Think how many days we spent on the, on the set, though, in a car pretending we were driving. <laughs> sure. That's, maybe that's why I don't like to do that. <laughs> I Although I did just do that to uh, yeah. the Trace Lynch. Actually, we did a bunch of blue screen stuff. Oh, good. Uh, we used to sing together a lot while we were doing that stuff. <laughs> and we would just drive everybody nuts. But it was fun. And actually, fun. Duke's, Duke's really... Look, we're still singing the same way. A lot of the same stuff. And, uh, you know, they would, like, blow up. You didn't hear it. He just told me to shut up. I didn't. <laughs> shut up. Shh. Ah! Did you shush me? Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of things you'd like to have a, a guys with tree branches making shadows go over the car, and they would have a four by four under the front fender so they could make the car rock. It was fun. It was fun. It was make believe, but it was a lot of fun. Somebody said, over there. Always. <laughs> always, always, always. I enjoyed that a lot. We had a, a I guess it was a scene dock by the uh, the L.A. River there in uh, in Burbank, and I would. It was a nice long stretch of concrete, and I had gotten the car up, whichever one happened to start with a screwdriver. Uh, <laughs> or alligator clips. Uh, 60, 70 miles an hour on the scene dock, but that was before, really before the world went crazy, and and now you can't. Uh, you can't do anything. They won't. Probably we could. I don't think we could make the Dukes of Hazzard. I don't think they would be really hard. Yeah. Somebody would drive the car to where we're supposed to start, and you know, <laughs> they'd pick it up. I mean, it would be. It was a different day. There were many times where they, they attached the car to the. I'm sorry, the camera to the car and gave us the slate, which is this marker. We drive off by ourselves. No camera. Yeah. No and microphones and a camera. We shoot the scene two or three times, come back, and they'd say, "How was it?" <laughs> it's perfect for dudes. Must be good. The front right tire is flat, so it must have worked. It was, it was amazing. It was an awful lot of fun. And if you think about it, I mean, those of you who are of a certain age, before we did the Dukes, starting in 79 through 85, you never saw a car commercial where the car got in the air. You never saw a car commercial where they peeled out or where it slid sideways. None of that stuff ever existed in commercials until we did it. And our guys Those that are still kicking. One of our guys has done uh, all of the uh, second unit stuff for Fast and Furious. All of them. Jack Kill has done all of those. Corey Eubanks is one of the one of the. I think he worked with Michael Bay and did all of those great BMW commercials years ago. He's Bob for you really old folks like us. Bob Eubanks from the uh, Newlywed Game. His son. Done a lot of stuff with the Baxley family. What's that? Craig. Craig Senior? Baxley. Oh, Craig. <laughs> I'm sure he's directing stuff. He did Action Jackson. And I think he directed Second Unit on Perfect Storm. But anyway, the Dukes folks went on to do a lot of things. A lot of things. And they're still, they're still, those that are still kicking are still kicking strong. We scared a couple off, John. I know. It's okay. I know. You got to use the restroom. That's all. Yeah. See ya. Uh, who else? You give up? No, what up? Excuse Do we want? Do we talk to you? She's here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's been working on a, a soap opera, The Young and Useless. The Young and Restless. <laughs> and, uh, the Old and Useless, did you say? <laughs> young and Restless. I asked her which one she was. Which one? <laughs> So we're going to actually be working with her in, in a, about a month. We're going to be in Salt Lake City. If you feel like driving, hey, it's a, place it's a great beautiful town. It is a beautiful town. Go by the Salt Lake City. What's up?
about how many General Lees did they need to keep on set? Because I heard that they would, when they would jump it, they would end up wrecking it when it landed, so they'd have to swap out no. to another vehicle. <laughs> so about how many did they keep around? Thirteen. Thirteen. Always. Thirteen. You had thirteen? No, they had thirteen ready at all times. Thirteen. And we went through 329. Wow. <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> and then there were there were sixteen in a, in a field that a guy named Wayne Wooten. I don't know what I'm talking about. A guy named Wayne Wayne Wooten talked the uh, Wayne Wooten Wayne Wooten talked the values. Now boys talked uh, talked Warner Brothers and the values they brothers out of, and those were ones that were ready for next season, but there wasn't a next season. So it's arguable whether not whether or not any of those cars were actually in the show, probably a couple, but impossible to tell. And at that point, they'd already been sitting out in the, in the heat weeds. for 10 years yeah. in the weeds, right next to Boss Hogg's only Cadillac. I think we only had There one. was only one? I think so. Gold inside the trunk and white outside. Wow. <laughs> Sir, boys. There was only one because you never let you guys drive. I, uh, 
But you can I think technology is fantastic. Too. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, have... This last film that we did is called Trace Leches, about three guys, 25 years old each, who get hired to drive a car from Baton Rouge to the Philippines for 50 cents a month because it's, the water's deep and there's hardly any gas stations. Uh, it's a comedy, it's a road comedy, and the ability to be able to put a 1972 uh, Vista Cruiser, Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, in front of a blue screen and shoot these jokers for a day, like we used to do, and get all of their stuff in one day and part of one night, and then be able to go out with my, this phone, and shoot plates. Uh, when we did Dukes, the plates were actually projected. It was called rear screen projection. So whatever, whatever we filmed is what we got. So occasionally when you'd see the cop car behind us, that was timing and projectors, and it was a pain in the butt. But now I can go with this phone and I can go out there and shoot plates for blue screen and I can put my three milks, Trace Leches, anywhere in the state of Louisiana at any time, day or night that I want. Later, that is invaluable to me as a filmmaker. So I, I think it's great. Uh, but I agree with Tom on the, on the other part just because, just, and that's why I'm not getting any voiceover work anymore is likely because I don't have that guy. This is, yeah, John, you know, take a little, do, do, I don't have a director directing me in a voiceover audition. I'm just going, yeah, you know, you got to try Home Depot. You can do it, we can help. You're on. I know, I did that for a while. But yeah, so, so I agree the technology does not necessarily uh, jive with an actor. Two an artist. Two ways more of an actor and an artist. Uh, I, I consider myself more of a filmmaker. As a filmmaker, I have got to, got to, got to embrace all things technology in order to continue to be in the race. So go to Cineflix, D-O-D. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Where is it now? What is Cineflix, D-O-D. Okay. What's your second question? What is your favorite episode of How do you spell Cineflix? C-I-N-E-F-L-I-X, D-O-D. Flex. Flex. <laughs> I thought it was a flex. Flex. No, Cine it's not a Cineflex. 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 They're flicks. Cineflex, what? D-O-D. Flicks. Is there a period in there somewhere? <laughs> Cineflex, D-O-D, dot com. Okay, got it. What is my favorite episode of what? Longmire? Smallmire. The one just before he got in here. <laughs> <laughs> favorite episode of Dukes? Smallmire. 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 Honestly, thank you. No thanks, I've already had my coffee. Um, <laughs> My favorite episode is the one is the one where I died. Yeah, I know. What? What? It was a great episode. It's a wonderful episode. Uh, and somebody asked me earlier today what my favorite moment moment in all of Smallville was, and it's in that episode where Clark is looking at the recently deceased Lana on the road, and me as his dad run up and grab him and turn him around so that he can't see her anymore. And that's a in, in any other kind of movie, that's, that's a noble thing that a dad did to a son. But if you really buy into that this is Smallville and this is Clark Kent, then what it's really saying is that I'm the only human being strong enough to turn Superman around and have him not look at something uh, that will hurt him. Not because I'm the strongest being in the world, but because I love him because he's my son. Because he's his dad. And I love that. So don't finish what I'm saying. Right here. So that's my favorite. My favorite. My second favorite is the one he did. Film festival, digital on demand. That's the film festival. What do you have a film? It's all you. Do you have a film to put into a film festival? Shit, yes. <laughs> I'm put it in there. Okay. Another one. Yes, you. Hi. That's me. You have a question for Tom? Uh, this is for, for both of you. When you guys worked on the uh, the Duke's cartoon series, did you guys, uh, were you just individually by yourselves in recording booths? Were we individually by ourselves? No, were you by yourself in the crowd? No, were you in a booth by yourself?
yourself, or were you all like get together in a room doing dialogue? I don't remember. Did I think we were like this. Yeah, we, I believe we were like this. We didn't do that for very long. Yeah. Do you know that we have a little bit on, on uh, what is it, not Beavis and Butthead? Um, sorry, uh, Furtis, 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 Furtis,
So we have to go to somebody's well, farm. We left our clothes in the general league. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. they stole the general stole league. Stole the general league. But for me, the ridiculous part is that we're skinny dipping. Beautifully <laughs> <laughs> blonde here. So we're out there splashing in the water, and then car drives away. <laughs> Are you going to follow up? No, I didn't sit there. It kind of explains the sonic cold outside you two say together. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.